0: Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name's John, I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live but we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good evening. It's good to see you guys. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are just so glad that you are taking some time out of this really nice afternoon to to spend some time with us. Uh, If you are new here, we are just so glad that you are with us. Uh, We want to give you a gift, and the best way you could think of giving you a gift, just saying thank you, thanks for letting us meet you, is uh, the card in the seat in front of you. There's a red welcome card there. You fill that out, some really easy information about yourself, and then after the service, you can take that card to the info table in the lobby, and you give the card to the person behind the table, and we will give you a free gift just to say thanks for being here. So, it's good to see you guys. Um, one thing I feel like we need to talk about, because you're all thinking about it, every time somebody coughs <clears <throat> or clears their throat, yeah, I know, now you're like, oh, I need to cough and I need to touch my face a lot, right? So, the, the, the uh, I don't know the actual, like, the CO, but the coronavirus that's going around, that, you know, they had their first confirmed or maybe, maybe case in Marion County, they just announced that today. Um, I, I think we should talk about it as a church really quickly. Um, because fear isn't something that Jesus gives us. Fear isn't something that uh, controls those who are Jesus followers. Now, should we be prepared? Yes. Do we put seatbelts on when we drive our car? Yes. I mean, we don't want tickets, but we also you think it's safe to put a seatbelt on, right? And so we here at Cross Creek, we're taking a few precautions. We are upping our sanitary cleaning a bit. Uh, we cleaned every door handle, every toilet handle, every doorknob in this place before you guys got here. Um, we have the hand sanitizer stations and all of that. And I think it's it's good to to um, be careful, right? The the virus t- seems to hit those who are um, the most vulnerable in our population. And do you know who loves the most vulnerable in our population? Jesus. And I think even though for people like like me or you, you young guys, you know, it probably won't. If if everybody gets it, you probably won't do much to you, but we need to protect those who it could hurt. And so we are taking a few precautions, and if you feel sick, you're like, man, I don't want to miss Cross Creek, I don't want to miss, you know, what John's going to talk about, we have these messages up online every Monday by noon, and thanks for watching if you are watching online, and nobody will judge you if you're like, I have a sniffle and I want to stay home. That's okay. But you can't stay home because you think you're sick and still go out to dinner. That doesn't work, (laughs) right? I mean, Because, you know what we're talking about tonight? is hypocrisy, and that would probably be in that range. (laughs) But, um, so I just wanted to kind of clear the air, so to speak, and just, you know, put us all at ease. And, you know, here's another thing, and I I have time for this because what are you going to do, kick me off the stage? Um, And I'm not calling the coronavirus a plague or anything like that, but throughout history, You know who stayed in the villages and the cities when the plague would come or when epidemics would come, and you know who took care of the sick? The Christians. The Christians. You know why the hospital symbol is a cross? Because it's the Christians who would take care of the sick with no regard for their own health. You know why they had no regard for their own health? Because when you're not scared of death, you're really not scared of much, are you? And so we'll we'll see what goes on, but we want to be at the forefront of helping those who, who need help, and so... That's what we're committing to do. Anyway, thanks for being here. Uh, we are a church that, that loves questions, that loves to explore uh, areas of doubt and areas where maybe we're not clear on, and so we're doing a series called So What About, where we're actually taking some of your questions that you guys generated and, and wrote down and sent to us and talking about it talking about these, these so what abouts. You know, Jesus is cool and I, I like the idea of him, but so what about this? So what about that? And tonight we're talking about, so what about hypocrites? What about hypocrisy that we see in Christianity? and We're, we're not answering every question to the fullest extent because I don't think that's possible. What we're trying to do is create a framework. A framework to where, you know, as we explore these questions, we construct this framework, and then when new questions come up or, you know, doubts hit us in the middle of the night or whatever, we have this framework to kind of work through, to look through those questions. And so that's what we're looking at. And so we're going to jump right in tonight, and here's one thing I want you to know. I think we all know this when we talk about hypocrisy, is this. What people hate most about religion are judgmental hypocrites, when you ask people about religion, especially Christianity, they'll say, you know, I like the idea of Jesus. I like the stories of Jesus and how he seemed to love people. But man, the people, those church people, they are judgmental. They are hypocrites. You go Google, why are Christians? Just type in the words, why are Christians? Judgmental. Why are Christians? Hypocritical. It's, I mean, think about it. The, the usual question is this, and we could put it this way. If Christianity is true, and everything we say about Christianity and Jesus is true, why are so many Christians, so-called Christians, judgmental hypocrites? If Jesus really is about loving your neighbor as yourself, why, are his fo- why do many of his followers seem to be so judgmental and so, so hypocritical? And, you know, when we talk about this, we can try to soften it. You know, and if, if you've grown up in church, maybe you've, you've heard this before, you know, we can soften it and say, you know, well, yes, the church is full of hypocrites. You know why? Because we're all hypocrites in some way, right? Which is true. I mean, that's, that's fair. All hypocrites in some way. Like, you know, you, you tell your kids, no, you can't have any candy after dinner, right? Because you want them to sleep and all that. And then once they go to bed, what do you do? Well, if it's November 1st, you go get their Halloween candy, And you eat the candy, even though you told them they couldn't, right? You hypocrite. Or we're all, or at least I am, a driving hypocrite. So like when you're driving, somebody, and especially in this town, when somebody cuts you off or they run that light and you're like, whoa. You're like, what are you doing? Right? You know the rules. It's right of way. You were on the left. You should have, it was my turn. Get off my tail. Right? You kind of step on the brakes a little. You guys don't do that? you're good Christians. I need to take the Four Salem sticker off my car. <laughs> like, I can't, we, yeah, anyway, so, <laughs> well, if you have a Four Salem sticker on your car, just drive better. But, if I accidentally pull out in front of somebody, accidentally pull out in front of somebody, I'm not like, oh, John, you're a terrible driver, I can't believe you did that, you should turn in your license. I'm like, oh, man, that was a mistake. Sorry. Why are you so mad? It was, I said so, right? Like, we'll, we'll go easy on ourselves, but we're totally judged that horrible driver who doesn't know what they're doing and should have their license revoked. Or, everybody's favorite topic, politics. Right? Like, I, I like to Google topics when, I'm, when I'm, we're gonna teach on it and talk about it and stuff, so I went on YouTube and typed in hypocrite to see what would come up, and like half of them... We're like, the Republicans are hypocrites because, you know, they only care about people until they're born. And then the other half of it was like, liberals say they want tolerance and acceptance until you disagree with them, the hypocrites. Like, both side, sides call each other hypocrites. And it's, it's very interesting. And you know what? Politics is fun to talk about, especially with your friends and your family. <clears throat> It's fun to talk about in church, and so actually in a couple months, we're going to do a whole series on politics. Are you excited for that? I am. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And so what you're going to do for that one, you're going to bring your, your notepad, right? And when I tell you who to vote for, write that down, and then we'll all be get, I'm just kidding. But it, it, that'll be in a couple of months. I mean, we don't, we, there's really nothing that's like off limits here to talk about. That's, that's why I like going to this church, and yeah, because I have to. Um, and then another thing about, like, another example of hypocrisy, which really has affected me personally, and it's, it's really uh, just kind of affected my life, and it's, it's a hard thing that I have to, I'll admit this, is that when, when I go over to somebody's house for dinner, they, you know, they invite me over for dinner, it's always like, hide the beer, the pastor's coming, <laughs> right? It's like, what is that? Just be you, please. Anyway, so we are, it's, it's really all true, Right? We're all hypocrites in some way. And we could talk about the, the philosophical reasons for hypocrisy and the idea of why judging Jesus based on people who say they follow him but don't even act like him doesn't really work. And we did talk about that last year when we did this series. We talked about hypocrisy and why you know, there's lots of people who say they follow Jesus but they don't know him at all. And so it's hard to judge Jesus based on people who say they are. Like It's hard to judge a gym by when I say, hey, I've been to that gym. And you're like, Really? Can't, you can't judge the gym based on my results, right? <laughs> Same thing with, with Christianity. We could talk about that, and I think that's good. And we did talk about it last year, and you can check that out online. Of so what about series, yourcrosscreek.com, on watch a message. But for some of you, for some of us, this topic of hypocrisy, especially in Christianity, in the church, is intensely personal, isn't it? Many of us have been deeply hurt by a religious hypocrite, someone who, who said one thing and did another, who said one thing about love maybe and treated you completely different. Maybe, maybe it was, this wasn't my, my experience, but maybe you had a parent who acted one way around their, their church people or in church, right? And then they got home, and they're completely different. Like, what is this? I, I thought you said you believe this, but you treat your own kid this way. Leaders, maybe a church leader who, who preached one thing but abused their role in some way to manipulate or control either you or the people you cared about. Um, maybe, and I recently just heard a few stories like this, and it keeps kind of coming up, is maybe you were like officially disciplined or shunned by a church in some way because you were caught doing something even though most of the people who were there judging you were just as guilty of other things and you've had to go through that judgmental and it's and it's it's why you walked away from church it's why you why you gave up maybe on on religion maybe it's why you've never even tried religion maybe it's why you're watching online because you don't want to be around all the hypocrites. I don't blame you in any way for feeling that way. I don't blame you at all. And as a quote-unquote religious leader in some way, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. I'm sorry you experienced that. That was not Jesus in any way. That was somebody who didn't really probably know Jesus, but said they did. But there's something I think you might not know, something I think you need to know, something that I think th- I need you to hear and I need you to understand is this, that you and Jesus, you have something in common. Whether you believe Jesus is God or not, whether you believe he died and rose again, whether you believe that or not, you still have something in common with Jesus. Because Jesus hates hypocrisy. He hates it. In fact, what Jesus hates most about religion are judgmental hypocrites. The same thing you hate about religion is what Jesus hates about religion. You can't say Jesus hates, yeah I can because he hates hypocrites. Or he hates hypocrisy, we'll get to that. <laughs> hates it, let me show you, let me prove it to you before, you're like, before you email me and say, you can't say Jesus hates things. By the way, if you, if you have any like, complaints or things about what I say, uh, you can go Monica at yourcrosscreek.com. It's like the third time I've used that joke in two months. It's great. Anyway, so our, our proof about Jesus and hypocrisy, we actually find it in what we call the Book of Matthew. It's the eyewitness account of Jesus' life, written by one of his friends who was named Matthew. And so, in this account that Matthew wrote about his one of his about his friend Jesus, we have this this interaction that uh, between Jesus and the religious leaders of of his day, the religious leaders of his culture, of his people, the Pharisees, the Pharisees were like, they were, basically they got to say what the rules were. They got to say who was in, who was out. They got to say this is what God likes, this is what God doesn't like. And the balance of what God liked and didn't like was, was very off kilter. See, he really didn't like you, but in their mind, they, he really liked them because they were so religious. They were so holy. They kept all the rules. They, In fact, they um, like if you saw a group of Pharisees coming towards you, they, it would be like this, this battalion of, of God's favorite people, right? That was the Pharisees. And so Jesus is talking to these Pharisees, these people who think they're better than everyone else. And, and here's what he says. Whoa! Not like, hey, man, but like... Things are not going to go well for you. Like, your life is not going to be great. You don't want to be you. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Now, because this is, this is bugging me. Sorry, Luke. So, because this is Jesus talking, and this is the Bible, that's kind of how we read it, right? A little bit of, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. See, but there's an exclamation point, isn't there? This is how Jesus said this. He's, he's looking at these leaders, right? He's got this crowd around him. He's talking to him. He's like, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees! You hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. Jeez! Jesus! That's gross. Like, what a picture. Right? The tombs that have been painted beautifully white. Nice and clean. They they go and get scissors to cut the grass. They they paint them nice. Make them beautiful. But on the inside, rotting flesh, bones of the dead, everything unclean. It's nasty disgusting, dirty, it's, it, it's dead, right? Like, you can draw, you, you get this tomb, and you can draw smiley faces on it, right? You can put little stickers on it. You take flowers to it. But what is it still? Well, what's on the outside isn't what it is, is it? It's not like this happy little place. It's a tomb with dead people. It's like the Taj Mahal, right? That beautiful structure in India. That is a tomb, There's dead bones in there. It was created as a tomb for Shah Jahan's wife. We can go into that. Anyway, so, beautiful on the outside, but rotten, disgusting on the inside. This is what Jesus is saying to people, saying to the religious hypocrites. But he goes on. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, right with God, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy And wickedness. You look righteous. You look like you know, Jesus, or God should, God should love you and and accept you. You do all the right things. You wash your hands the right way that the Jewish leaders are supposed to do. You wear the right robes, you have the right tassels on, on your shirt, but on the inside, you're full of hate, you're full of hypocrisy, you're full of full of evil. And here's here's what hypocrisy is: here's what Jesus is saying. Hypocrisy is the difference between who we are and who we pretend to be. Hypocrisy is the difference between who we are and who we pretend to be. And the interesting, interesting thing about the word hypocrisy, hip, hypocrite, it's not a religious word. It, it didn't come from the Bible. It didn't come from religion. In fact, it's a word that in Greek that was used to describe actors. Greek actors would put on the mask. Right? You'd have, you see it when you, when you go to the playhouses or whatever, and they have the, the smiley face mask and the sad face mask for the tragedy. Right? And those are that, The word for the people that would wear those masks, the actors, were, we translate it as, as hypocrite. They're playing a part. Somebody who, who hides behind a mask to, to portray someone other than who they are. Trying to convince somebody that they're different than what they truly are. Maybe, maybe better than what they truly are, they're they're acting, they're putting on a show, they're trying to show you something better, something more, something maybe happier, maybe more holy, than you actually are. Doesn't sound like Instagram at all, right? Sorry, was that too personal? It's gonna get better. But here's the thing, religious hypocrisy is even worse. See, religious hypocrisy is using the trappings of religion, using the words, the rituals, the rules of religion to gain influence or power or or win the favor of people and even trying to do that to win the favor of God. Trying to get people to respect you and think you're you're something other than you are because of the way you, you act, because of the way you talk, like like you are close to God and you, know, you have this one way conduit to the holiness. Even use it to, to make, try to make God think he owes you. you know, because of how religious you act. How religious you sound. You know all the right words. You know all the Bible verses. When in reality you're full of envy. Bitterness. Pride, judging, using religion as a way to control your image for your gain, whether it's, you know, social or financial. You know, somebody who could say, you know, amen, brother. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. And then they go home and they cuss out their kids. They ignore their wife. They cheat on their taxes, saying that they're one thing, putting on an act of one thing, saying Jesus is their king, Jesus is their God, but acting nothing like him. The Pharisees, they loved their rules. In fact, they added rules to the law that God gave them. Like, they loved rules. They they loved them because they felt like they could, you know, earn their way to God. In fact, you know, they said, okay, God's rules are good that he gave Moses. Those are great. But what if we added rules on top so we don't even get close to those rules so that then we can be even extra holy? Like, you know, God's commands are good for, like, you know, the common people, but what if... You know we follow even stricter rules, and then we'll be even more holy. Then God will like us even more because we're going above and beyond what He wants for us. Those were the Pharisees. They would the way they would pray. Right, Jesus talks about it. In fact, uh, talked a little, bit, a lot about it. They would they would stand on the corner of the street and say, "God, thank you that I'm not like everybody else here. Thank you that I follow the rules." Thank you that you've blessed me so much. The Pharisees are usually pretty wealthy. Thank you that, you know, I don't have to live like them because I've been so holy, right? Look at me, and they would pray on and on and on. Jesus had a lot to say about people who prayed really long prayers. That's why I try to keep mine pretty short. (laughs) It was all about look at me. In fact, here's the thing, and you know this because you've experienced this. Religion is the favorite tool of hypocrites, Religion is the favorite tool of hypocrites because nothing makes you look better than having the God of the universe on your side. Nothing convinces people to trust you so you can manipulate them than saying that you are, you know, close to God. Here's the thing. It's nothing new. It wasn't even new in Jesus' day. In fact, 700 years before Jesus, the, the prophet Isaiah wrote this. This is God talking to his people. It's a little long, but I think I think It's important. God is, talking, or the, um, God is talking to his, his, his Jewish people, and they were trying to fast and, and give up food and, and do all these things to get God's attention, right? Going through all these religious rituals to get God's attention. For day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, God talking, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions. Where's the justice? And seem eager for God to come near them. God, I just, I just need your blessing, Lord. Why have we fasted, they say? Why did we give up food for a week? And, and you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? We're doing all these religious things, but we're not getting the blessing from you? God's talking again. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Like, Is the reason I told you to, re- to, to gave you these laws and these, these, these things to, to worship me with, is that why so that you could... You could lower yourself and, and look humble and look holy. Is that what you call a fast? Is that what you call a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. See, they love following the rules. They love going through the motions, but when it actually came to showing the love of God, showing the world who God really is, eh, it's too much work. It puts me out. I don't want to, the rules are a lot easier. You can find loopholes with rules. And so here's what, you know, sweet, mild, soft-spoken Jesus says to these kinds of people you snakes. By the way, this is proof that snakes are evil. The worst insult Jesus could think of was to call somebody a snake. I know you have your little terrariums with snakes. They're sinful. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Anyway, you snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Kiss your mother with that mouth, Jesus? (laughs) Holy cow. Why is Jesus so angry? Why does he hate hypocrisy so much? Because he knows. The greatest barrier to discovering God's love is people who say they know him and act nothing like him. The greatest barrier of people discovering God's love, that God is for them, that God made them on purpose for a purpose, is people who say they know God and act nothing like him. People who say, yes, I am the one who knows God and then treats you like garbage. And people think, well, if that's how God acts, that's how God sees me. People who pile rules on top of others and then judge them when they can't keep all the rules. People who go through the motions but are never transformed by the love of God. And nothing makes Jesus angrier than when the people he loves are kept from him. Nothing makes Jesus angrier than when the people he loves are kept away from him by the people who say they love him. In fact, he was so serious about bringing people to him that he died for them. He was, he was willing to die to be with them. And so nothing makes him more angry, more mad than people who keep those people that he came for away from him. Now, if this has been making you uncomfortable, that's good. If you're like, oh my gosh, that kind of is like me, that's good. That means you're self aware. Right, feel like, yeah, that's everybody else. Then we have a problem. See, here's the thing. If you're feeling that weight that I can't see, I didn't write this just for you, that the person sitting next to you can't feel, Jesus didn't say, woe to you who do bad things. He didn't say that. And he didn't say, woe to you who are trying to figure all of this out and are just taking it one day or one step a, at a time. He didn't say that. See, we, we all want to be better. We all want to do better. You're not pretending to be something you're not if you're honest about your sin and your faults. That's not pretending to be something that you're not Because you are being honest. You're taking it one step at a time. Saying that you're a Christian, but also having these things that you, you struggle and you fight against, that's not hypocrisy. That's being human. See, what Jesus said was, woe to you who act like there's nothing wrong with you. Woe to you who have worked so hard to convince people and maybe even yourself that there's no gap between who you are and who you want to, should be. Woe to you who pretend to have it all together. And then judge others when they show weakness and failures. Because really, the truth is, and honestly, we all have a little Pharisee in us somewhere. We all have a mask that we're tempted to put on. And then we all judge others when we get a glimpse behind their mask, don't we? Because, honestly, it's so much easier to see the cracks in other people's masks than even admit that we're wearing a mask. And sometimes, we even judge people more harshly when we see the faults in them that we try the hardest to hide in ourselves. The truth is, we're all afraid to let down our mask. We're afraid to let down our mask for fear of being seen. Because once we're seen, then we'll be judged. Once we're judged, then we'll be rejected. We're all afraid of letting down our mask for that fear. But there's hope. See, before Jesus called out these woes to the Pharisees, before he said, You're snakes, you're vipers, how's that going to keep you out of hell? He gave them the solution. Here's what he said. He's talking about, he kind of was going on and saying, you're, you're these cups that on the outside are clean, but on the inside you're very dirty. And the, he says, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be clean. See, the solution to hypocrisy is transformation. The solution to hypocrisy is not trying harder It's not writing down a list of all your wrongs and putting them on Facebook. It's transformation. The transformation that comes from admitting what we already know, what God already knows, that we aren't perfect, that we can't perform or or fake our way into being right with God. It's a transformation that comes from from trusting Jesus' death and resurrection to make us new, not just make us better people, but to make us new people that are transforming and not not relying on our good deeds or or these religious rituals or or memorizing all these Bible verses or knowing all the, the holy words. It's a transformation that comes from trusting Jesus, his death, his resurrection, to change us. See, Jesus came so we wouldn't have to hide who we are. There's no way to fake it till you make it with God. Jesus said, stop hiding. You can be free to be you because I came to pay for and forgive everything you're trying to hide. He already knows it. That's why he came and died. Again, Jesus doesn't want anything from you. He's not asking anything from you. He wants something for you. He wants a life that is transformed into what it was always meant to be. He wants you to experience the freedom that comes from being fully accepted, fully loved, with no shame, with no fear. That's what he wants for you. So how do we, how do we accept that? How do we, how do we experience that freedom, that, that peace, that joy? I got three steps for you. First, we have to admit that we have a mask. Right, the woe... It's to those who say, ah, this is me. I'm great. There's no mask here. We all know there is. First step is admit we have a mask. And then accept that the person under the mask is the real us. We really are that person, faults and all, flaws, fears. That is who we are. Not who we show everybody else, but who, who God knows we are. Admit we have a mask. Accept that we are the person under the mask. And then ask God to transform you. Ask to be transformed. Yeah, but don't I have to do this prayer and this ritual and this chicken sack? No, you don't have to do any of that. Ask to be transformed. And that trans- here's what that transformation looks like. It's, a, it's an increasing change that goes like this. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit that God gives us, the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, when we trust Jesus, those things are given to us, and we allow God to work those through us to transform us. It's not something we have to work really hard to have. Those aren't list, That's not a list of things to strive towards. Those are th- gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us. Once you trust Jesus, that he then starts growing in you and we just allow him to grow that in us by admitting who we are what we are and what we need see it's harder for me to pretend i'm someone i'm not than it is to trust jesus to change me into who he wants me to be so much work to pretend to be what you're not and as we're transforming as we're changing as we're admitting who we are we don't strive for fake perfection we celebrate real progress. See, it's not about perfection, it's about progress. It's about transformation for you and for others. We don't need to judge people because maybe maybe you're along the path here and you know they are at the path right here. We don't judge people at the beginning of their of their journey when we're in the middle of ours. Does that make sense? because the way we are taking it one day at a time looks differently doesn't mean that they are wrong it means there's progress we celebrate the progress not search for perfection so are there hypocrites in the church? absolutely but there's hope see Jesus hates hypocrisy but he has unlimited love and forgiveness for sinners for those who say yeah I can't do it all myself. I have sinned. Unlimited forgiveness and love. See, we can be free to be who we really are. We don't have to hide from ourselves, from God, or from each other. We can be free to be us. And that's why the the practice and and the idea of communion is so amazing. I'm going to have the band come up because we're going to do this communion in a second. See, communion, communion really is celebrating the fact that we all need forgiveness. It's, it's the idea that none of us actually are who we wish we were. That none of us are perfect. And that we all equally can be made new. We can be transformed by Jesus' death and resurrection, that we're, we're all in the same position. Nobody's better than the other. Nobody's worse off than the other. We are all in this, this life, this journey, this transformation. Together, we are all in common. And so we celebrate communion, that when we are in Christ, that we are when we are trusting Jesus, we are in this together. What saves and transforms you is the exact same thing that saves and transforms me. We don't have to hide. We don't have to wear masks because everything we, we want to hide was paid for by what, what the, this, this cracker and juice represent. See, everything was paid for by Jesus' blood and his death. The juice represents, doesn't change into, represents the blood that was shed. The cracker doesn't change into but represents his body that was broken. And so what we're going to do, if you feel so led, nobody's judging you if you don't, come take it. But uh, we're going to sing a song, and as you feel ready, come get a cup, get a cracker, and then go back to your seat and hold it, and we'll, we'll take it together. We'll remember why we can be free together. So let's let's stand, and we'll sing. As we sing, come and get the juice.
1: Before I spoke a word, you were singing now. You have been so, so good. Oh, I took a breath, you breathed your life for me. you yes, did. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm bound we mm-hmm.
0: Passover meal, probably. And He said, hey, this bread we're about to eat no longer is it going to represent you know, the, the unleavened bread that, that the Israelites had to cook when they, when they left Egypt and did the exodus and all that. It's now going to represent my body. And they're like, what? But yeah, this, is gonna, this bread from now on represents the body that's going to be broken for you. The body that's, that's broken to bring new life so let's remember that together and eat this bread and then he took the wine or the fermented grape juice and he said this doesn't represent the Passover this represents my blood that's going to be shed this represents the blood that's going to be that's going to be sacrificed for the world the blood that's going to wash away everything that we try to hide, everything that we're ashamed of, going to wash away everything we're afraid people will find out, that will offer forgiveness for anyone who trusts. Let's remember that together. Let's keep singing.
1: me, no, 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 There's no, shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me, there's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me, All oh, the old, overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, oh, it chases me, the still and i found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. still you gave yourself away, holy, Yoda, overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, yeah.
0: be patient. Sometimes it takes a while for the mask to come off and be patient as others are trying to take off their mask as well. Next week, we're going to wrap up this series and we are going to talk about heaven. It's going to be divine. (laughs) Hey, I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next week. Invite a friend to hear about heaven. See you later.